So we have, uh, we've been going through a series called Love God First, and we've been talking about relationships, and we've been talking about marriage relationships, um, and all kinds of different relationships, actually. And, and, and the fact that this priority list that we have here, meaning what starts at the very top, helps us to, uh, to set things straight in our life. It, it helps us to be a better spouse. It helps us to be a better friend. And for those of us that are maybe still waiting on our spouse and or we are maybe in a place where we're realizing maybe that's just exactly what God has for us is, is to be single, whatever that might look like. This is about making God's priorities our priorities. And especially when it comes to relationships because we were created as relational beings. We're created to be in relationship with God first and foremost and with others. We're created to be in relationship. And so what happens when we love God first in all of those relationships is that it puts things in its proper perspective, which is one of sacrifice, one of purpose, and a priority, meaning that God is at the top. But it's not the only kind of relationship that matters. Loving God first is the one that matters the most. And, and, and the trickle-down effect that happens when, when we love God first this priority list of loving God first, hear this, loving God first makes me a better husband. And being a better husband makes me a better father. And being a better father makes me a better pastor. And whatever, you can fill in the blank there for yourself, whatever your vocation might be there. And, but, but also wherever you may be serving within the church. And that is the priority list that we should have. Always, when we get those things mixed up is when things, things get off a little bit. But today is going to be geared a little bit more toward, well, actually a lot a bit more toward, uh, those of us that are in, those of you, I guess, that are in the demographic of being single. I'm not single. <laughs> um, but for those that are single, now's your chance, right? <laughs> now's your chance to either stay single or how are you going to approach that? Because it's no secret that there are a lot of Christians, a lot of people, quite frankly, not just Christians, but also Christians who struggle with the idea of being content while single. And so why do you think it's so hard for, for that to happen? Why do you think it's so hard for some to be single and to be content in that? You know, the fact of the matter is that there are some Christians that have elevated the role of marriage as something that is to be desired above all, that if you are a Christian, that this is the thing that we're aiming for. And so today is gonna be geared mostly at those that are single. And defining single, just so that we know, means not married, (laughs) okay? So like, if you're engaged, you're single. If you haven't said I do, then you haven't right? So you're single. If you are dating someone, you're still single. I know you may not treat it that way, (laughs) but you are. Um, If you are a widow, if you're divorced, you're still, you're you're single in, in those. So this is for a lot of us. This is for a lot of us. And so I want to wrap the series this way because all of this though is for all of us. I've seen a lot of young people, a lot of young Christians, and Christians of all ages, quite frankly, that have put themselves through so much emotional stress, 
hoping and praying for a spouse. Hoping and praying for a spouse. Life doesn't start to make sense until I have someone, until I have a mate. This is, this is the mentality that maybe we have through, for pressure from various directions maybe. And it only becomes worse as you scroll through social media for sure because you start comparing your single life to those that are married and you start seeing the people having kids and moving in you know, to different seasons of life and, and all of those things and you play the compare game and what happens when you compare? You lose every single time. When you compare, you lose every time. You know, when I became single, at least in my mind, um, I was engaged and that fell out from under me and was, you know, all of those things. And I, in my mind, then became single. Of course, I was before. And I remember that, that time because I had so much emotional capital built up and wrapped up into that relationship that my life didn't make sense alone. I'd put so much and invested so much in there that life didn't make sense. I didn't know how to function in a lot of ways when that happened. And I thank God that social media was not a thing at the time. Oh my goodness. I, it would have destroyed me. That's just the truth of it. I didn't know what to do with my time other than to just sit and wallow in my grief and stare at the ceiling at night and wonder why this pit in my stomach right here wouldn't go away. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you may be sitting right there. But make no mistake, it was grief. It's exactly what it was because I had lost someone. And I lost in, in a big time in my mind. And this question of, am I just gonna stay single forever now? And then how to deal with that? I found, I found myself in, you know, on a couple of blind dates and a few other not great decisions that were wrapped in that. And I regret uh, a lot of things during that time. But there's actually a few things that I regret not doing during that time. Two things in particular I want to call out. Number one is that I didn't love God first. I didn't, I didn't love God first. I wasn't loving God first during that time. I loved me first. I loved me first and I sank into my self-pity and I sank into my depression. And the missing aspects of my faith actually became abundantly clear after a while. And I could actually make the argument that I wouldn't be here right now had I not gone through all of that. Because what I consider to be rock bottom is what actually drove me to Jesus and actually started the path of my life ending up doing something that I never thought in a million years I would be doing, being a pastor. Was not even on my radar. The second thing that I didn't do that I should have is I didn't look at the verses that we're gonna look at today. I don't even know if I knew they existed. I'm gonna be honest with you. Because the verses we are gonna look at today are aimed specifically at those of us, those, those of you, people, <laughs> let me start that over again, that are single. Um, I've seen so many young people who just have to have someone at all times. I just have to have somebody. And it always, always, that, that mentality always takes them off the path that God has for them because it's not a godly relationship that they end up just falling into the arms of someone. No matter how much they try to convince themselves that it is, 
and fool themselves into thinking that it is. Deep down, the goal that this, that's trying to be accomplished there is to just feel like you matter to someone else. And the problem with that attitude of self-worth right there is that instead of loving God first and realizing that you can find all of that in him, first and foremost, you end up falling into a relationship or into the arms of somebody that's just gonna end up letting you fall anyway. Because people are fallible and people are human and people are gonna make mistakes and people are gonna let you down. And as much as we know that partnership and marriage and all of that is, is a good thing and a good thing to be desired, no doubt, it doesn't need to be desired above all. Above all relationships or above all, and, and it certainly doesn't validate your relationship with Jesus. And so as we all strive to love God first, we need to realize and understand that the Lord has a purpose for everyone in every season of life, including singleness. So if you have your Bibles, we're gonna be in 1 Corinthians chapter seven. 1 Corinthians chapter seven. Um, and you know, one reason singleness can actually be a good thing is because of the freedom because of the freedom that is there. And, and, and in this chapter, uh, Paul is talking about, uh, about all kinds of different things within the marriage relationship, but just all kinds of relationship stuff. A lot of it, he is giving instruction for uh, those that are married. But it's interesting because he does actually say in, in his writings, um, he, he advises to stay single as he is, but if you must be married, then he, then he lays out this stuff, right? So it's interesting. And then he goes back to those that are single and he associates the married life with a full life of necessary worries and obligations. Necessary worries and obligations, but worries and obligations nonetheless. And I want you to think about something here for a quick second before we read this. The two most influential people in all of Christianity were who? Paul? And Jesus, both single, both of them. Let's read this. Beginning in verse 32, he says this, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking of how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. He, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. That's a, that's a part I want you to, to think about right there. Because you really kind of at the beginning, it almost sounds like, well, man, maybe, maybe marriage is awful, according to Paul, right? It's not what he's saying. He's pointing out some obvious things here, some common sense things, because the unmarried person has fewer complications and fewer commitments, so they can more freely do the work of the Lord, right? Now, it's not to say that married people can't do the work of the Lord. Don't go to the opposite extreme, Right? Or that single people just have unlimited free time because the single people in the room would be like, that's not true. 
you know? We don't lose our individuality when we get married just because we've become one with another person. But the two relationship statuses of married and, and single, it shows a stark contrast in priorities there that are common sense because there's always things that we can do as married people that glorify God, absolutely. We can serve, we can serve others we, it, to, to help us grow in the Lord for sure. But married people, we have to take our spouses, our kids, our finances, outside relationships, and other obligations. We have to take all those things into consideration in a different way on a regular basis, in a different way than, than single people do. It's why, quite frankly, the, the team that's going to Guatemala that has signed up to, to be a part of the Guatemala trip, a majority of the people on that team are single. And it makes sense. They, they didn't have anybody to consult about whether they were gonna go. Hey, who's gonna take care of my kids? Do we have the finances? All that stuff. Nope, they were just like, yep, I'm in and can go, right? But there's always gonna be things that when you're married that you have to discuss with your spouse, no doubt. But the unmarried single person, their focus, their worries in regard to serving the Lord in full without responsibilities tied to a husband or wife, it's a lot easier. And you don't have to be you know, anxious or worried about taking care of, of your spouse or rearranging schedules, all that kind of stuff. My wife and I, I'm telling you right now, I live by my calendar on my phone. I live by it. And if she doesn't put something on the calendar, I don't, I won't show up, right? It's just, that's all there is to it. it forgive me for that, but it's just the truth, right? I, I live by the calendar on there. And so when we're doing things, we have to consider each other's schedule, which makes sense, right? We're married, we have a family, you know, I'm, I, I'm gonna forget that Lincoln has a band concert on Tuesday if it's not on there. You know, I mean, things like that. I remembered it, so there's a win for today. But um, yeah. But at the same time, like, we have to coordinate all that kind of stuff. Um, if you're single, you don't necessarily have a person you have to coordinate with. You can just kind of go in a lot of ways. And so these aren't bad things. They just are, right? These are what come with marriage and come with family. And if God calls you to that, great, awesome. And if he hasn't called you to that, great, awesome because God uses all our different kinds of relationships for his glory because we're created in his image and if you think that is limited to just you you're nuts because he's the God of the universe and it takes all of us to reflect even a smidge of the image of God but the truth is that in regards to the mission that God has given us both sides of that coin can actually be a distraction or an opportunity. It could be one or the other. So let me ask you this question. Is your relationship status, is it a distraction? Or is it an opportunity? This is a hard question. And it's very circumstantial. Very circumstantial for where you're at. See, for Paul, being unmarried, it meant fewer distractions in serving God and in fulfilling his calling that he was, he was called by Jesus to reach the Gentiles. And he knew that if he was married, that that was going to be uh, really tough for him to, to accomplish. And so he was clear on his calling. But unfortunately, there are too many single Christians where their singleness is actually a terrible distraction from what the Lord can and will do with them. Your singleness might be a distraction for you. 
on the other side, guess what? Married people, <laughs> your marriage can be a terrible distraction as well from what the Lord wants to do in and through you. Both sides of that coin have different kind of problems or different kinds of opportunities. See, too often we look at our circumstances as problems instead of opportunities. Because with God, everything is an opportunity to do something for his glory. And we know that he's involved in every aspect of our life. And so if instead of looking at the problems, what if instead, whether it's temporary or whether it's permanent, wherever you're at right now, what if it's looked at as a special opportunity to please God? Your relationship status right now could be, and I believe it is, an opportunity to please God right now. Verse 35 says, Paul says this, that I'm saying this for your benefit. We already read this. But he said, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. What's gonna help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible? It might be whatever you're called to in your relationship status. You know, there's a widow woman in scripture who models this verse in 1 Corinthians 7 that I want us to look at. It's just a couple of verses and it's actually wrapped into the Christmas story a little bit and we blow right by it often as we're reading this part because it's at the end of Luke chapter two and her name is Anna. And I wanna just read these verses real quick for you to see something incredible here that again, a lot of times gets totally missed on Christmas. So check this out. In Luke chapter two, beginning in verse 36, it's just a couple of verses here. It says, there was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. So they only got, they were only married for seven years before he passed away. And she's been a widow and she's now 84 years old. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them, them being Mary and Joseph with Jesus. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She went out and shared the gospel with everybody around, as it says right here, spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Because she knew, she knew who, who they were holding. She, did, she didn't panic about her single state. She didn't overly grieve her situation or let it take her away from what God still had, her, had for her to do. I'm sure she appropriately grieved her situation. But rather, she realized that she had an opportunity to serve the Lord without distraction. And what happens? She's given this special revelation. She recognized something that only one other man a man named Simeon, Simeon knew because he was told that he would see the Messiah before he died. And clearly she knew as well who they were holding when they, when they came to the temple. She knew that the baby in the arms of Mary and Joseph was not just an ordinary child. I want to encourage you, to those of you that are maybe widowed or divorced, to follow the example of Anna. 
to follow her example, to, to look to the Lord, to pray to the Lord, to, to walk with him. Anna didn't hang out in the temple with God's people because she was miserable there, right? Instead, I would suggest that she stayed there year after year because she found in the Lord exactly, exactly what her soul was craving. And so can you. You will too. Now, I'm not saying you need to be here night and day. This was a different time culturally and all of that. But are you walking with the Lord? Are you looking to him and looking for the opportunities that he's given you because of where you are, not in spite of it? See, we want to give marriage a to-do, no doubt. Absolutely. But there's another temptation that we have to be careful of in Christian circles. Because a lot of times in these conversations, it's easy to respond by elevating marriage past its, its position of due importance. Because it is important, don't get me wrong. But instead of rightfully labeling it as created good, which it is, we turn it into its created essential. It's not a created essential. Marriage is not a created essential. That it must be part of the Christ follower's journey is to be married. That that is not in scripture. That is just simply not true. We've seen it from Paul. We see it from Anna. We see it with Jesus. See, singleness is a gift. Singleness is a gift and we must honor it the same as marriage. Marriage is a gift for sure, but so is singleness. The season of life that you're in right now, your relationship status is a gift from God to be used for his glory. See, marriage, while it's important, it isn't mandatory or essential for someone's spiritual development. It's not, it's not essential for you to grow in your relationship with Christ to be married. Listen, singleness is not a consolation prize. I heard somebody say that this week, and it makes so much sense to say that to you. It's not a consolation prize. And so if you're single, I hope that you're hearing that. If you're married and maybe you've elevated marriage to somebody that you've talked to and you've unintentionally maybe made them feel less than, listen, it's, singleness is not the consolation prize. It may in fact be your calling. If you're single, that, that may actually be your calling in life. I was called to serve the Lord through marriage. Absolutely, I was. You may be called to serve the Lord through your singleness. And that's great. And as the church, we need to understand that. We need to be able to, to live out that truth or we're gonna miss the chance to share the gospel with a huge demographic of people that need Jesus too. We could unintentionally and I believe that we've, we've done this as the church as a whole. We've unintentionally left single people out at times because a lot of church, let's, let's be honest, let's call it what it is. A lot of church is geared toward married people. Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be completely geared toward married people. It needs to be geared toward people, people. All people. As followers of Christ, as the church, we have to appreciate and honor the unmarried members of our church and our church community and just our community in general. We need to thank God for them. We need to empower them, lift them up, encourage them in their service and in their dedication to him because it takes all of us in the body of Christ to make the body of Christ. It's all the different pieces, parts. 
regardless of what season of life you are in right now, you are part of the body of Christ and you have an opportunity to be a part of the body of Christ and your relationship status doesn't qualify you or disqualify you from that. Your faith in Jesus is the only thing that qualifies us for anything. So my connection point, not just for today, but actually for a lot of the series, says this, God will use all of our relationships for his glory. God will use all of our relationships for his glory. So love God first. Again, if you walk out of here with nothing else other than the three words, love God first, that's gonna make a difference in your life. Because God uses both single and married people for his glory because that's his plan. And we need to love God first and foremost. See, for Paul, the most important thing in his life was not romantic love. It was pleasing God. For him, he could please God better single. But someone else may please God better as married. See, it's all according to our calling from God. And finding that calling, finding that calling begins with loving God first. It begins with loving God first. Will you bow your heads with me? If Jesus is anywhere other than first in your life, then your marriage is going to struggle. If he's anywhere other than first in your life, then your singleness is going to struggle. Your friendships are going to struggle. And you will struggle with finding his purpose for you. Because he has a purpose for each of us. We must love him first if we're going to see it clearly. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you want to use each and every one of us regardless of our relationship status, that you want to use every aspect of our circumstances as an opportunity to do your work, to give you glory, and for you to shine through our life. Father, I hope that this encourages those of us that, that might be single in the room. And it encourages those of us that are married in the room. And gives us maybe a new perspective on each. So that we can love each other the best that we can. And we can come together as the body of Christ to do what you've called us to do. Lord, there's some things in our life that just don't make sense unless we love you first. So help us to do that. I pray that if there's one here that's maybe been fighting and, and, and arguing with themselves over their relationship status, Father, that they've been just struggling with their singleness, that maybe they would find their purpose and their hope in you instead of trying to fall into the arms of somebody else. We need to fall into your arms first. So Father, help us to love you first and for everything else to trickle down from there. Father, there may be some here that don't even have a relationship with you. 
Maybe, they, maybe they're under some false perception that their spiritual walk doesn't matter until their relationship status changes on earth. But Lord, our relationship status with you is really the only relationship that matters. And so Father, I pray that if there's one here that doesn't know you, they're not 100% sure that they're gonna be with you one day. God, that they would maybe find someone in a yellow lanyard, find someone um, at the orange wall, or even come down front to this altar to pray, which is open at any time. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just continue to move through this place and that we could take something away here today that's gonna change us. Father, use us more. Use your church more for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.